1: What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about game designers. We're talking about a whole bunch of game designers, how they became game designers, and lots of little anecdotes and stories and tidbits about their lives. And we're talking to Erin Dean, who's got a really cool book coming out called For the Love of Board Games, where she has written about all these many uh, awesome designers in our industry. Erin, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me on the show today, Gabe.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, you, you've you been working on a book for a little while. It's about to be on Kickstarter here in, in a few weeks, and so I am excited to talk to you about kind of your process and uh, what you learn from these different designers and interviews and all that good stuff, because I mean, this is something near and dear to my heart. I've got a a book that just came out about game design, and you took a very different angle than the one I did, and so I'm excited to read yours and get to know uh, more about your process and all that good stuff, but before we get into it, who is Aaron Dean? How would you get into board games and, and all that?
2: So... Uh, As a kid, I played a lot of traditional mass market games, Sorry, Clue, Monopoly, Trouble. Um, But it was when I was in high school, I was gifted Ticket to Ride by my aunt. And I had never heard of it before. And I learned it and read through the rule book and played it with my family that holiday season. And I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the board gaming hobby I You know, uh, little after little, I kind of discovered more and more games and kind of um, snowballed from there and discovered board game geek and all these different games I've never heard of and suggestions. And that's kind of how I really got into the board gaming hobby.
1: Yeah, very cool. And then you, you shifted a little bit because then you started getting into like making documentaries. So tell me about that. This is a documentary I saw a while back that I was super impressed with where you were interviewing different designers about uh, you know different things in the industry and all that. It was called The Board Game Boom. And so tell me how you got into that and, and a little bit more about that process.
2: So yeah, I just graduated with my degree in video production. And um, while I was a student at my university, I took a class called Documentary Production and the entire class was around you creating your own documentary. And I absolutely wanted to do it on board games. So I we actually have a good board game presence here in St. Louis where I'm from. And I interviewed several people like Jamie Stegmeier from Stonemeyer Games. I interviewed John Covey from Genius Games, and I interviewed Josh from Gray Fox Games, and a lot of different people from St. Louis, uh, including the owner of our board game bar and cafe. Uh, pieces is what it's called and um, so the entire semester I worked on this documentary called the board game boom and released it last spring and it's up to 26,000 views now on YouTube and it was mostly just about uh, exploring the question why are board game sales rising in a digital culture so that's kind of what it was centered around.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I was super impressed with it. I, I was really impressed with the the video production and just kind of the way the whole thing was put together. And I would have never known that this was your first like legitimate, like actual project right out of college. So I'm I'm highly impressed. You did a good job.
2: Thank you so much, Gabe.
1: Yeah, definitely. And now, did that did that idea lead into the book?
2: Um, yes, it definitely did. So it was around February of this year, so 2018, and I, you know, was kind of reflecting on all the views I've gotten on the. De- documentary and i was like i gotta do another board game project i don't know what it is or what it's going to be but i need to do another board game related project so i reached out to reddit and i reached out to board game geek and um i kind of asked the community what kind of book would you like to see and because i i thought it would be fun to write a book and i you know have been doing a lot of film projects so i wanted to try something new and um When I asked that question to the communities, I got a lot of overwhelming feedback that people wanted to learn more about the designers behind some of their favorite games. So I'm like, that's what the book is going to be about that I'm going to write. So here I am, and we're about to launch the Kickstarter, and I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, for sure, and so you got to go into kind of the, the deeper story, the deeper area of these designers' minds as far as like how these ideas came about, you know, what the process was for, for the games, more than just like the design of it, but like the whole big picture of it, right? Kind of the narrative story behind it, right?
2: Right. So we do touch on their design process how they design a game just any game they design but it was mostly kind of centered around their most popular games what the inspiration was behind their games fun facts behind their most popular games we also talked about games they designed but never got published uh, which was kind of interesting i found very interesting actually and we just talked about board games and you know how they got into board gaming and the board gaming industry in general and just kind of focused on that and wasn't this book is definitely not you're not going to read it and say you know okay now I know how to design my own board game it's more of something that can be in your game room and you could be preparing for a board game that night and you're like I know we're going to play one night ultimate werewolf tonight Um, so you're going to flip to page uh, 53 and read about Ted who designed the game and find out all about them and all these fun facts about the game, and you're going to have a little bit of more knowledge than your friends who are coming over, and you can kind of share these fun facts with them.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, and I think this is such a valuable resource for game designers, too, because so all right, so you, you not only get the, the ideas behind the games and where they came from and all that, but I love, I love that you asked them about projects that didn't work, projects that didn't make it, because it's so easy, especially as a new game designer, to look at somebody like Jamie Stegmar and go, wow, look at all the success this guy has gotten. You know but without seeing the hundred designs that are in the garbage or in you know that are on the shelf that never came to fruition or anything like that it's easy to kind of compare all his success to my you know behind the scenes failures and so it's so good to get just the full picture of a person as a creative as a designer as an artist whatever they you know whatever you want to call them and, and get the 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 hundred percent thing as opposed to just the ten percent that we see on the outside
2: exactly yeah and one of the questions I did ask was kind of what your advice is to people who are just starting out in the game design uh world and so that was interesting too just getting little tidbits of info, you know, advice that designers had for newcomers.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's 50 designers in the book, is that right?
2: Yeah, there's going to be a little over 50, so okay. right around 55 designers will be featured in the book.
1: Very cool. And now what was your process of determining like which 55? Like how did you kind of say, "All right, I want I want these people."
2: So basically, I just started with my own collection. I own over 130 board games. And, uh, you know, I had recognized some of the names um, just from buying their games. I kind of knew who the designers were. But I just started with my own collection. I was like, you know what? I like Escape the Curse of the Temple. And so, you know what? I'm going to look up who the designer is on Board Game Geek. I'm going to find out their contact info, and I'm going to reach out to them because I really like the game, and I want to learn more about that game and who they are and who was behind the game itself, the design.
1: Gotcha. So it really just started with your, your shelf and just looking there and going, I love these games. I want to talk to their designers.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, from there, I looked at board game geeks, top 100 board games and tried to reach out to those Mm -hmm. um, designers as well, as many as I could.
1: Yeah. And, I don't know. If, I don't know your experience. But my personal experience with that. I had a lot of success with people in that top 100. I think. I think I reached out in somewhere like the top 200, or something like that, and I found so much success with people wanting to talk about their games. I and mean, we 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 exist in such an interesting industry that's not like any other. Like you couldn't go and send Steven Spielberg a message and say, "Hey, you want to be in my book?" And he say, "Yes." Like, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. But you could send, you know, the top people in in this industry, and they'll actually respond to you.
2: Yeah. There. It's. In a lot of other industries, even like the video game industry, mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, developers are untouchable. You, they're yeah. very hard to get a hold of and get in contact with. But in the board game industry, uh, we're kind of on the smaller scale. And, um, you know, designers are actually very accessible and willing to talk and very, very friendly. And so I, ha- I encourage you guys, if you ever have a question about a game or want to just thank them for, hey, I, I really love this game and I, I thank you for putting in the effort of designing the game. Do not hesitate to reach out to these designers. Just look them up on BoardGameGeek. Almost all of them have a user uh, account on there and send them a message and you know, they're likely to respond.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's so cool how close and personal this industry is to the point where you could sit down and potentially play a game that, with the designer. Like you, that could very easily happen at a convention or something like that, whereas in, there's no under, no other industry I know of where you could do that and so it's just a really cool thing. Now, tell me, about, yeah. tell me about your process of the actual like questions you came up with and, and like the, the angles that you wanted to take with the book.
2: Yeah, I think I just thought to myself, you know, what do I want to learn more about these designers? What do I personally want to get out of this and what kind of information do I want to get out of them with the questions I'm going to ask? So I just framed questions around that kind of thought process and I also, you know, reached out to the communities and asked, you know, what would you want to hear from your favorite board game designers? And uh, so that gave me some inspiration. And um, yeah, it was just kind of brainstorming and coming up with questions that would lead to big answers and interesting answers.
1: Yeah. Now, did you ask every designer the same list of questions or were there some kind of variation?
2: Uh, there was a little bit of variation, but mostly it was pretty, um, it was pretty uh, you know, fleshed out with. Every single one, uh, it was similar questions. Um, obviously, I wouldn't ask Jamie Stegmeier why did you design Escape the Curse of the Temple because he obviously did not design that game, but um, I would ask him, you know, why did you design Scythe or how did you design Scythe, and you know, asking those same types of questions but kind of putting their games into the questions. Yeah,
1: definitely. Now, what were some of those some of those questions? Give me some examples.
2: Yeah, so we asked questions about, you know. One of the most interesting ones to me was um, games that they designed but never got published. We asked questions how they got into the board gaming hobby. We asked them, do you design games full-time or part-time? Is this something you just do in your free time? Or is it something that you actually do full-time to support your family? We asked questions, you know, really regarding the, you know, the games that they've designed. So the inspiration, uh, the biggest challenges designing, XYZ game. the the entire design process of designing XYZ game, what their future plans are as a designer. You know, some are part-time designers and they plan on going full-time very soon. We ask them advice that they have for, you know, incoming designers, um, all those type of questions.
1: Yeah, very cool. Now, what were some of the trends that you noticed where, where you had multiple designers kind of having the same experience or same advice or same ideas? Like, what were some of those things?
2: One of the uh, pieces of advice that I heard a lot was that if you, even if someone has a great idea for a board game design, if you get something down on paper, it's going to be better than that brilliant idea because you actually have something to play test. Yeah. You actually have something down on paper and you're working towards, you know, fleshing it out and all that. So don't be afraid to just get your idea down on some note cards or some index cards and. Just get that idea down on paper because you may have this awesome idea, but if it's just in your head, it's just in your head, you know? So try to get it down physically on some components.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'd say the best game designs in the world right now are probably living in somebody's brain somewhere, and they've yet to just write it down, make a prototype, and play test the thing. And so, like, yeah, if you're listening to this, and if you're listening to this, you probably have a thousand ideas because that's just kind of how we all work, and there's not enough time and all that. But if you can just start taking time, making time – and get the thing on a table. That's that's really step 1. Thinking and dreaming of the idea is really step 0 and step 1 is like getting it onto the table. Now, what other what other trends did you notice?
2: Some other trends that I noticed um you know, it was actually 50/50 on whether the mechanics came first or the theme came first. Yeah. Some designers are very, you know, theme-based. They kind of like, I want to make a game about zombies, so I'm going to create a game around that and the mechanics will come later. Other designers like um, Reiner Kaninzia, you know, um, they come up with mechanics first thing. Um, they're like, I want a game that has hand management. I want a game that has set collection. And they're like, I'm going to create a game around those mechanics. And then the theme comes later. So I found that interesting that everyone was kind of split on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And now let's go back to the question that I think is, is both of our favorites as far as uh, tell me about the games that didn't work, tell me about the games that didn't get published. Did you notice any trends in there as far as multiple designers saying that they had a similar experience or similar similar inspiration kind of thing?
2: Well, I think, um, I think a lot of designers, it was crazy the ratio of games that get published and games that they don't get published. I've seen ratios as big as like 1 to 500 games actually give, Published yeah. and five hundred, you know, four hundred and ninety-nine games don't get published.
1: Is that for an individual designer? That kind of thing.
2: Yeah, an individual yeah. designer. Uh. I I can't remember off the top of my head who said that. Um, but it was it was ratios similar to those. You know, one to a hundred, one to fifty, and um, it just shows that even these awesome designers that are very famous in our industry, they not every design they do is a you know a home run. And um, I think that's important that we realize that they're not designing published games every single day, you know, there's a process to it and there's trial and error.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, I wonder how many of the, you know, 499 that don't get published even make it to a, a publisher place. Like, a lot of times, you know, a designer will get to a place and go, this game's not fun. And they'll walk away from it. They'll go do something else. And so, like, that's okay. That's not a bad, bad thing. I think the biggest thing is finish something. Like, don't just perpetually live in that uh, land of idea and prototype and never like, taking it further than that. Because, uh, again, you can't have an, a finished game if you don't finish the game. Right. Tell me, some, tell me some stories. Give me some stories, some narratives, some, some interesting things that you learned uh, from some of these designers.
2: Yeah, one of the most interesting stories I learned uh, was regarding the inspiration behind a game. And the game was actually uh, Detective City of Angels. Yeah. And um, it's by Evan Derrick. It was on Kickstarter late last year. And yeah, it's he came on out. the show. He's an awesome guy. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Evan, he uh, designed that game and he was telling me the inspiration behind it and how he and his wife were at this restaurant for dinner. And her, actually, while they were at the restaurant, her car was broken into and her bag with all her art sketches were yeah. in there and got stolen. Um, so his wife was very upset about this. You know, she's an artist and lost all her sketches and was very emotional about it. So Evan had it in his mind. He's like, you know what, I'm going to find that bag. So he kind of went back to the car, the you know scene of the crime, and retraced his steps, and kind of like, okay, I wouldn't go towards the restaurant. If I was a robber, I would go towards this dark alley. So he kind of went around and, you know, tried to get in the mind of the robber and acted like a detective. And he actually found the bag. He found his wife's bag and was able to retrieve it. And it was it was ditched in some dumpster down like a couple blocks from the restaurant, and. um that was the inspiration behind Detective City of Angels. He wanted to create a game that got you in the mindset of a detective and made you actually feel like a real-life detective. And I thought that was a very, very interesting story.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a really cool thing. And you know, people talk all the time about how game design ideas can come from anything. Well, there you go, right there. Uh, getting your car broken into can lead to a, a pretty successful game. And, and by all accounts, I mean, it did very well on Kickstarter. I, and I don't, I don't think it's out just yet, but it looks to be a, a really awesome game. All right, tell me some more stories. Let's let's have story time with Aaron.
2: Yeah, so another story regarding a game that didn't get published was by Reiner Canizia, who designed Tigris and Euphrates. He designed Lost Cities, if you're familiar with those games. And he wanted to create a game around marriage or like couples or relationships, and he could never get it to work. And I actually told him about this game that came out called Fog of Love. It's a two-player game where players play as in a romantic comedy and he had never heard of it. And he's like, that's awesome that someone actually got that theme to work. And, you know, he's not very, you know, designers I've seen, you know, they're not jealous about other designers. They are inspired by them and they're, you know, they're not hesitant to talk about designs that never worked. You know, they're not like, Oh, these are my designs and I'm only going to, you know, keep them to myself. They're very, you know, reachable and friendly and open with their ideas.
1: Yeah, definitely. An interesting thing about Reiner and, this is something I read a while back that I think is still the case. He doesn't play hardly any published designs. And his reasoning for that is he doesn't want to be tainted by other people's ideas. He wants his ideas to just kind of float around in his head and not, not to be influenced by others, which is a super interesting and, and very opposite of what most, most people say. Most people say play as many games as you can, but not him. And right. it's interesting how many designs he's come up with. I mean, he's, he's designed hundreds and hundreds of games that have been published. And so it's just kind of an interesting uh, process that he, that he has of designing.
2: Yeah, and uh, another interesting story I have is regarding Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Games. He you know, told me how he could remember designing games very, very far back in his childhood. And even at seven years old, he knew he liked creating games. And the first game he designed was called Medieval Challenge. It was kind of like a roll-and-move game, like Monopoly, but it was set in Camelot with two rows of tracks instead of one. And he actually has a picture of this game. He actually has it. He still has it to this day. This game Mm -hmm. that he designed when he was seven years old. And I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was kind of foreboding. Not foreboding. Uh, What's the right word? Foreshadowing. Uh, Letting you know, Jamie, this is this is your future. You know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All right. Tell me more stories.
2: Yeah. um, I think another one was Ted, who designed Ultimate Werewolf and uh, Suburbia. He. He says that only a hundred one out of a hundred games actually get published, but lately he said you know it's gone twenty five to one, so he's actually kind of seen an improvement in his ratios over the years. You know, I think that's probably normal for once you when you first get into the industry, maybe you'll have more failed designs than you would as you get further on in the game design experience. But yeah, that was another story, just kind of regarding ratios. Uh, One theme that he wants to... That was another question I asked for all the designers was, what's a theme that you want to design a game around but haven't been able to yet? And have you heard of the TV show The Wire? Yes. He wants to design a game around that, which Mm -hmm. I thought that could be a really cool concept for a board game, I think. Yeah, for sure. There's stories, all different kinds of stories. I'm just trying to think of more. You know, Bruno was kind of similar. Which Bruno? Where he, Bruno Cathala, Mm -hmm. uh, where he played a lot of board games as a kid. And um, I think he started designing games right around the year 2000. So he's been doing it for almost 20 years now, which is awesome. And he's one of my personal favorite designers. Uh, I love Five Tribes and King Domino, and I love a lot of his games that he's designed. But he's had almost around 100 publications for his games, which I found was crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's had games set in, you know, kind of like Archaeologists and, uh, you know, Five Tribes, which is kind of like an Egyptian game. Um, King Domino, I believe, didn't that win the spiel? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, so he's very, very established in the community. Um, You know, other questions that I asked designers were regarding their, like, hobbies outside of board games. Yeah. Um, And... I also found it interesting, you know, I asked them questions like, what's your favorite board game of all time?
1: And a lot of them
2: actually crossed over. So I'm like, Oh, I interviewed that designer. So like he, his favorite board game is magic. The gathering, Burn of we... okay. mm-hmm. and um, I actually interviewed Richard Garfield. So what's cool is that in the book I'll be like, turn to page 53 to learn more about that game. You yeah. know, they all have really crossover, which will be cool.
1: Yeah, what were some of the other games that people said were their favorites?
2: I think one was Twilight Struggle. Maybe that was Jamie. Let me check. But I think, yeah, Jamie's favorite game is Twilight Struggle. And then I also asked questions saying, if you could host a game night with anyone in history, living or dead, who would you invite and what game would you play? Yeah. I thought that was a fun game that I did. Um, But, oh, I was wrong. So Jamie's favorite game is Castles of the Mad King Ludwig, which actually Mm -hmm. Ted... Designed yep. who I was talking earlier who designed Ultimate Werewolf, um, and he would love to have uh, a game night with uh, Rosenberg, uh, Rob Davio is that mm-hmm. how you say yep, it? Yep, Rob Davio. And then Alexander Fister, yep, which he designed uh, Broom Service and Great Western Trail. Yep. So he would love to get together with those designers. Um, we even had people who like would love to have a. a I think Reiner said he would love to have a game session with Albert Einstein playing like chess or something. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. But I thought I tried to give, you know, ask questions that made them a little creative and asked interesting, you know, scenario questions. Um, so that was interesting to see their answers to those.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, what was some of the advice that these designers started dishing out?
2: Yeah, so uh, like I said before, I think a lot of them talked about how you need to get your idea down on paper rather than to just let it let it sit in your head. Mm-hmm. I think another you know, advice that I saw was to you know, don't be afraid to play test and play test and play test your game. Get as many people as you can to play test it because everyone's going to have a different point of view and opinion and they're going to be able to give you a lot of interesting feedback. And while you're playtesting that game, do not try to step in, you know, let the rules kind of speak for themselves and be able to kind of sit from a distance and see and observe from a distance what's going on and what's working and what's not working. I think another thing is to always, that I saw was to reach out to designers that you admire, you know, and try not to follow in anyone's footsteps, but, you know, try to um, make something unique. You know, to something that maybe works already and try to add your own spin to it and play as many board games as possible. Uh, Consume as many content as possible is what I saw, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, as far as reaching out to board game uh, designers that you respect, was there any advice on how to do that? Like, you know, somebody just getting into the hobby, what would be the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah, I don't think I asked that question for anyone. But just from my own personal experience, I would just say go for it. You know, do your homework. Look them up on BoardGameGeek. If they're not on BoardGameGeek, a lot of them have their own portfolio websites. Use the contact form on there. And just don't be afraid to reach out. You know, shoot them a message and, you know, make sure your grammar's all good and all set up nicely. And, you know, really compose a email that, you know, poses a question to them. You know, and usually they're going to respond and they're going to respond with, you know, enthusiasm, is what I found.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is something I saw. uh, I think somebody on Twitter posted this a while back and they said, whenever you hesitate to to tell someone that you, you like their work or, you know, you really appreciate them as a designer or as a person or whatever, whenever you hesitate to do that, remember that haters never hesitate. And so it's it's always kind of helped me like really want to to push the envelope when it comes to like telling people that they're doing a good job or you know letting letting people know like hey man played your game last night it was awesome really enjoyed it love this me- uh, mechanism you had in there like just sending mm-hmm. sending real quick messages like that go a long way especially for creative people because as creative people we tend to not be the most secure people in the world like we tend to like really need people to, to let us know you're doing a good job that's just kind of how our our brains work typically just you know biolog- biologically psychologically and so you know just finding people on board game geek and saying. Hey, you know, I love the way you design games. Uh, if you could give me a, a quick note of advice about this problem I'm doing with, I'd really appreciate it. And like, I think that's a really good way to start making connections, to start networking in the industry. And doing that helps people know who you are, and you might meet them in person one day, and they're like, Oh yeah, you're that guy that sent me that message. Oh yeah, yeah. And so it's a really cool way just to kind of uh, ease your way into the hobby before you've gotten any game published.
2: Right. Just making those connections early on is really, really helpful. And um, I think. When you make those connections, it makes it a lot easier, like you said, to publish a game later on because you're able to bounce ideas off them. Yep. You're be, you're able to you've already started a form of contact with them so you're able to kind of reach out to them and say, "Hey, I just designed this game. It's just getting published. I'd love if you'd share the link to it." Or, you know, it's make it makes it a lot easier if you start the conversations early on.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's the difference between asking a friend to Share a link versus spamming somebody, and that's really the, the difference. Is that relationship? Do they do they already know you? Because spam is just frustrating to everybody, and and you see that in right. like the Facebook groups, and somebody just shows up out of nowhere, and they just start saying, "Hey, my Kickstarter! Check out my Kickstarter!" It's like, well, who who are you? Like, where did you come from? And like right, you haven't right. you haven't spent the time to get to know people and, and built up that social capital, so to speak. Now, any other. Interesting things that you learned from, from writing the book, uh, maybe maybe another story or two, anything else that uh, would be really cool to share with listeners?
2: I think um, I pretty much gave a lot of the information that I found was interesting. Obviously, there's going to be way more in-depth stories than I've said on the show today. I think you're going to be very, very surprised with some of the stories you're going to hear in the book and find it very interesting, and it'll just give you kind of a, more of a background into the games you're playing that night. You know, uh, you're able. And what's nice is that the chapters are very, very um, easy to read. They're easy to get through. Um, they're, they're not going to be too, too long. So it's easy to like kind of skip from one chapter to the next or bounce around. You know, like I'm interested in this designer, this designer. You don't have to read the chapters in order or anything, which is nice.
1: Yeah, very cool. Now, who are some of the other designers that you haven't mentioned so far that are in the book?
2: Yeah, I, what's nice is that the designers I did interview, they're from all different experience levels. So I have some that are very well-known. I have some that are not so well-known, some that are have one popular game, some that have many popular games. Um, I interviewed Jonathan Gilmore, who designed yeah. Dead of Winter, Dinosaur Island. I interviewed Dominique or Dominic from North Star Games, who designed Wits and Wagers and Evolution and Say Anything. He's more kind of on the party game side. Um, I interviewed Jason Matthews, who's only designed really one game, Twilight Struggle, but it's a very, very successful game. Yep. I interviewed uh, Rodney Thompson, who designed Lords of Waterdeep. Keith uh, Mateka, who designed Roleplayer, mm-hmm. which is very popular right now with its expansion that just came out. Yep. And uh, another one I really like talking to is Kane Klenko who designed Fuse and Flatline and uh, Covert and Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, he's one of my favorite designers, so I was really excited to talk with him. But the list goes on. I mean, there's 53 designers, and for anyone who wants to see the full list of designers, they can join uh, my book's Facebook group, which is For the Love of Board Games Book. Just search that, and it's one of the first posts on there, and you can see the full list of designers as lo- along with the games that I asked them about.
1: Yeah, very cool. Now, you've talked to a lot of people. And so give me your insight on where do you think the board game industry is headed, just kind of based on the designers that you've interviewed so far.
2: I don't think there's any end in sight for the board game industry. I think it's, you know, we're in kind of a, you know, renaissance right now, uh, kind of like a boom, as my documentary title suggests. Um, But I really don't think there's any end in sight. I think more and more people are getting introduced to the hobby each and every day. And I think there's going to be more and more of a demand for new and awesome board games. And so I think there's going to be more and more opportunity for designers to step up and design board games because there's definitely a demand for it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's not like selling cars where, you know, you buy a car once every five years or 10 years or something like that. No, like people buy one board game, they're going to buy another and probably a hundred more. Right. And so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's very, it's kind of like almost like a collection thing. Mm -hmm. You know, people want to have the newest shiny board game that's out, and uh, it's very fun to collect board games and kind of research what's hot right now and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a a lot of potential for people out there. And and just as, you know, as the market gets more crowded, it also, the the cream rises to the top more, more often than not. That's what I find is like the really good games like, keep rising up, and, and people continue to play them. And so, like you were saying earlier, get get, you, get the ideas out of your head, onto the table, and do everything you can to make some great games. And one thing I found that really helps, helps you make great anything, whether it's books or art or music or whatever, is learning from the people who have already been there. And I think that's a really cool thing that mm-hmm. your book can provide is, is just some information on how people got to where they are. That way, this is something I talk to my, my students about. I, t- I teach high school uh, English, and 12th graders, you know, they're getting ready to graduate right now. And one thing I've been talking to them lately about is figure out who you want to be and then, like, where you want to go, like, what do you want to do, job-wise, career-wise, whatever, and then find people that have already done it and been successful. And then... Basically, take apart their life and figure out how they got there and reverse engineer it, right? So maybe they're 50 years old right now, and that's where you want to be when you're 50. Okay, well, now reverse engineer 49, 48, 47, all the way down to 18 and figure out the path that they took and how can you take a better path than that to get where you want to be. And I think the same thing was with, with art or creativity, design, anything. Figure out how other people have done it and then reverse engineer that and make it a little bit better and a little bit different for your, your life.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I actually graduated this past Saturday from my university. Congratulations. And thank you. And the speaker there was telling us how, you know, set a goal, any goal, a career goal, a personal goal, and go backwards from there. Yep. Go backwards from there and do the steps that will it'll take to get you to that goal. Just go backwards. And, you know, that applies to what you were saying, too. Um, analyzing someone else's journey and going backwards or reverse engineering from their experiences.
1: Yeah, for sure. Learn from their failures, learn from their success and, and figure out a way to to get where you want to be. I, I think it's very possible in, in the world we live in, especially the United States and, and places that are free. There's so many places that are free around the world where you have the opportunity to just go for what your dreams are. Uh, not that there's not obstacles. Of course, there's obstacles and challenges, but we have the opportunity to kind of overcome those. And, and there's other people that have already done it. And then we get to learn Learn from them. Well, Aaron, do you have any kind of closing thoughts? Any any uh, last ideas? Anything that you would tell uh, new designers or people that are in the game design industry?
2: I think this book is just going to be a great addition to people's game rooms, and I, I really, you know, I'm doing this as a passion because I'm passionate about the industry. Yeah. I'm not just writing about a subject because I think it'll be successful. I'm writing this book because I am myself curious and intrigued by the topic. And I think that'll show when people read it. I think people will be like, I'm glad this person asked this. And the reason I'm asking these questions is because I have them too. So, um, yeah, I think that's my closing thought. And I think it was great to be on your show, Gabe. And uh, for more information about the book, you can join our Facebook group uh, by searching For the Love of Board Games dash book. And I hope to see you join and I hope to talk to you soon if you have any questions. Again, my name is Aaron Dean. You can reach out to me on Facebook or my email, CandleBoxFilms at gmail.com.
1: Very cool. And when does the the game, the Kickstarter launch?
2: Yeah, the Kickstarter will be launching in uh, July. We've pushed it back a month because you know we've found that we shouldn't rush anything. Yeah. And we don't want to really put it on Kickstarter until it's absolutely ready. And we've done the marketing for it. So... Um, Yeah, it'll be up in July and um, hopefully uh, you can maybe do a shout out um, for it when it's closer to launching.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is something I'm looking forward to backing because uh, I'm interested in these stories. I want to know, you know, how some game designers kind of got to re- got to be where they are. I want to reverse engineer their lives. I want to take my own advice. <laughs> so this is a good, right. way, good way to do it. And like you're saying, this isn't some, some project where you're like, oh, I could make a million dollars doing this. Like, you're not going to make a lot of money with board game books. Like, it just, that's just not a good, <laughs> like, if that's your career right. path, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're going to be very hungry. And so, you know, I really like how much passion you have, and I saw your passion with, with the documentary you did, and I really uh, enjoyed that. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes, so if anybody wants to check that out, you can go to the Board Game Design Lab website, and you can find the link to that. So it's really well done with, with some really interesting information from uh, board game designers about the industry. But you know, the same kind of thing with this podcast. This is one of those things where I don't do this to make money. I make money so that I can do this and that's really the mentality. It's like I, I love this and, and I can tell that you love the the stuff that you've been working on and so just keep it going. I'm excited to si- maybe see another documentary down the road or, or another book and, from a different angle or something like that and just kind of uh, keep going and good luck, good luck with your projects and good luck with everything else you got going on.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that those words and I really um, appreciate being on the show and I'm excited that you're excited about the Kickstarter <laughs> and I, I won't let you down and Uh, I think you'll be very intrigued by what I have to offer.
1: Awesome.
0: Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at QMLogistics.com. And find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, Keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?